0: Hello. Hey! The, um, <laughs> I'm distracted because there's a really cute baby in front of me, and I'm just like, "What? Who? What what? <laughs> What's this happening right now?" This is the Witch's Magic Murder <laughs> and Mystery Podcast. I am Kara, and I'm Megan, and this is Olive. Little Olive's here. You might hear her talking a little bit in the background. If you're lucky, <laughs> she may or may not grace you with her presence. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect thing. So yeah, hi guys. Hey. Just got back from New York. Oh, my gosh. Rainy, rainy New York. It started raining. We got there Friday evening. It started raining overnight, Friday night, and it <laughs> did not stop raining until overnight Sunday night. Oh, my And, gosh. and it wasn't like— it Soft, straight, downpour. No, it was a constant— downpour. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Ella had a good time. Did you all go to the museum or anything? We went to—let's see, what did we see? Oh, we saw MJ the Musical, yes. which you guys, if you have the chance to see it, It's incredible. It's the Michael Jackson story. And I wasn't sure like what to think of it. I did look it up on YouTube Uh before just to be like, what is this going to be? And I was pretty impressed with the YouTube video. Seeing the whole, I mean, I just, I started crying. Like it was Uh so good. And the guy, the lead is incredible. He, I don't understand how his body moves that way. (laughs) (laughs) Just Michael Jackson in general. How did he do this? It was incredible. Are you able to do this? Yeah. And it really made you think about, of course, we all know the headlines that he was kind of right surrounded by towards the end of his life. But it really makes you think about how he grew up and what he went through as a kid. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and how that messes with him. Yeah. And they did this thing where Thriller, of mm-hmm. course, was in it, which, yeah. of course, we love. Right. They put Thriller in there as if he was afraid of his father. Oh. And they made Thriller about the fear he felt of his dad. Oh. And it was so powerful. And so well done. I could not believe it. So I really loved it. Okay. So I have a story. Okay. It is a weird, weird story. Okay. You know, which those are my favorite, of course. Which magic, murder, mystery. 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 I'm going to say it's a mystery. Okay. It it could probably be filed under a couple different things, but we're going to go with mystery. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Do we have anything else to talk about? Um, Hey, if you are on the Discord... Make sure that you're in the chat for just the general, Mm -hmm. the general channel. We're going to set a date for that true crime watch party. I know it's been a little bit since we talked about doing that, you know, life sort of blew up. Right. But I'm slowly putting things back together. (laughs) And I think now we can uh, actually schedule some things. I also think it would be fun to do watch parties for they're always putting out new true crime yes. things so what we'll do is if you're on the discord we'll just we're all set a time that we'll start watching mm-hmm. the show and then we'll just chat while we watch yeah. it I think that'll be really fun yeah, we'll set up a, a separate channel for the show right yeah okay the discord by the way is for patreon right, right. Yeah, I think so <laughs> yeah we have the general and then we have the janitor we're the, we're the ones that set it yeah but I think it's all just right. patreon but then there yeah. is a separate channel for the janits yeah okay we are professional we're really good at this <laughs> Okay, disclaimer that I don't always say n- names correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy Forstein or Forstein, what do you think? Oh, it's the Bernstein and Steen Bears thing. Oh. Oh. We're going to go with Steen. Go with Stein. I like Steen better. I'm pretty sure the whole time I was writing it, I said Stein. Okay. By it. So, both are there. I like it. Dorothy Forstein was born Dorothy Cooper in 1909. Okay. She had a childhood sweetheart named Jules. Did Cute. you have any childhood sweethearts oh for sure this makes it sound like they were i guess you say childhood to me and i think like elementary age yeah but i kind of wonder if they were like teen sweethearts yeah. or whatever too yeah and uh, what was the name of your first boyfriend actually so the first boyfriend i had i had known since i was like six and Aww. i dated him until i was like 18 what yeah what yeah uh his name is Kyle. <laughs> That is a long, long time. I did it. Like, we broke up a couple of times, and I would date, like, a couple other guys, but it was, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, my first boyfriend's name was Steven, and it was in first grade. Cute. And it lasted about a day, probably, Adorable. you know. Yeah. yeah. That's funny, because Willow, the other day in the car, was telling stuff she, after we dropped her little boyfriend <laughs> off. She said, I hope you like this guy, but I hope you understand that your heart's just going to be broken soon because it's middle school, and <laughs> you all are middle school lovers. And <laughs> we were like, oh. Gosh. Lovers. Number one, she said lovers. (laughs) But secondly, I love how Willow talks as if she's like a 50-year-old woman. Oh yeah. With all the wisdom in the world. Yes, exactly. I mean, she's she's she she has some wisdom. Yeah. She's an old soul for sure. So Dorothy's childhood sweetheart was a dude named Jules. Jules. They grew up and went their separate ways, though. Jules ended up marrying a woman named Molly, and they had a daughter, Myrna, Mm -hmm. and then they had a second daughter, Marcy. During Marcy's birth, Molly died. So Molly died during childbirth. Okay. After Molly's death in 1940, Jules ended up reconnecting with Dorothy. (gasps) Oh. Yeah, and then they got married in 1942. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he had his two girls, and Dorothy didn't have any children at the time. Dorothy was described as this happy, joyful, like, outgoing woman. Everybody liked her. It's not easy, of course, to step in and be, like, another parent to kids, especially kids who've lost their mother. Mm -hmm. But um, she did it. And people said, you know, she was just incredibly devoted to Jules' daughters. Yeah. And they had a really happy marriage and this happy no, life. Good. And then Dorothy and Jules had a child too, a son named Edward in 1943. So Jules and Dorothy lived this really nice upper middle class life in Philadelphia. Okay. They had a beautiful three-story home in this really desirable neighborhood. And Jules had a job working as a clerk for the Philadelphia City Council. And then he was appointed magistrate. How do you say that? Magistrate? Magistrate. I say magistrate, but I'm in Nicholasville, so. I'm not sure. Of course, I'm not sure. We all know I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, He was appointed magistrate just before their son was born. A couple years after this, so a couple years after he takes over the position as magistrate, on January 25th, 1945, Dorothy needed to go out to run some errands. Uh So she left the kids with some of the neighbors while she went to do that. And people saw her out shopping. She talked to her friends and made plans for the next day. As she arrived home, one of her neighbors, Maria Townley, spotted someone either walking with Dorothy or kind of following her pretty closely behind as she approached her house. Hmm. But that's all the woman saw. And she wasn't even 100% sure. It was like a really safe neighborhood. She didn't really think anything of it. It's okay. not like a she just happened to, like, see it. And later, she...
1: Remembered recollected. It.
0: Yeah. It wasn't anything that caught our attention for any reason. Yeah. So just because of the events that take place in this story, I had to stop and I tried to look up the home that the Forsteins lived in. Mm-hmm. It started to remind me of another story that I've covered before on the podcast, which you all might be thinking of too, is the disappearance of Joan Risch. Yes. When you started saying that I was like, "Oh, I think she's told me this." Before. Well, I even had a po- a point where I was like, "Wait, have I done this one because yeah. it sounds so similar?" Yeah, it really does. Um, the one that you're thinking of is episode 33, so forever ago. Uh-huh. The disappearance of Joan Risch. And that one happened in Massachusetts in the 1960s. Right. But in that one— but it was similar. Like, she left the kids with the neighbor, right? Totally. Yes. Left to go run errands or something. And the husband was gone yeah. and everything. And then when she got home, she yeah. was attacked. So, in that one, the Risch's lived in, like, a suburban neighborhood with driveways and houses with space between them. Mm-hmm. And just basically— The thing that I, as a person who's always lived in Central Kentucky, thinks of when you say neighborhood. But we have to remember that they're in Philadelphia. So, the Forstein's neighborhood wasn't like that. It was more of an urban area, like right on the the street. Yes. Yeah. So, when this neighbor is like, I saw a man following her or like walking up as she was getting to her front door. Okay. That's not the same thing as what I would think But like someone's walking up to her front door with yeah. her. Like, no, no, no. They could have just been walking down the street. Right. Because it's true. that yeah. kind of area. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of keep that in mind. Where sidewalks could literally be touching. Yes. Yeah. It's also like we're going to keep that in mind as we get to other things that happen in the story. Okay. Just keep remembering that like this house is just right there on the street. Right. In town. Okay. Country mouse, city mouse. Right. Like, yes. When Dorothy reached her door and started to enter someone attacked her from behind he used some sort of blunt object to knock her to the ground oh no and then as she fell she knocks the phone over okay and that was back in the day when you used to pick up the phone and there'd be an operator and they would connect your call for you yeah can you imagine how many people would just pick up the phone just to chat can you imagine as an operator how many phone calls i would have just listened in on yes (laughs) yeah There had to have been some sort of, either it's just back in that day, people were just the better. They were just better people. Yeah. Or they had to sign something like right. confidentiality. Right? right. I know we have some younger listeners and I know like, for instance, some of my daughter's friends, you guys, for one, there used to be house phones. But secondly, you yeah, used to pick up a Yeah, we used to, to be tied to a cord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you used to pick up a phone. This is even before my time. Instead of punching in numbers, there would just be an operator waiting And you would say, connect me to this. And they would. Yeah. And that's how you made a phone call. Yeah. So when she knocked the phone over, the operator could hear what was happening. Oh, my gosh. So Dorothy's assailant continued to attack her, beating her with his fists until she lost consciousness. So, I mean, like, brutal attack. And the operator could hear all of this happen. And so they went ahead and summoned the police. When the attacker heard police sirens, he took off. By the time the police arrived, the guy was gone. And Dorothy was unconscious on the floor of the hallway. Thankfully, her kids were still with the neighbor, you know, so they weren't oh home. They didn't see anything when all this they didn't happened. Hear anything? They don't. They yes. didn't get hurt. She was brutally beaten. Oh my gosh! Dorothy had a concussion, a shattered nose, her jaw was broken, <gasps> and her shoulder was fractured. Oh my gosh! So they took her straight to the hospital. When she regained consciousness, she said, "Someone jumped out at me. I couldn't see who it was. He just hit me and hit me." <gasps> oh, oh, poor thing. Now, nothing was taken during this attack. No jewelry, no money, nothing valuable from the home. So investigators were like, it must be attempted murder. They weren't there to do anything except attack Dorothy. And the, they don't think that the police just scared him off before he could do any of that? Well, once she was unconscious, why continue to beat her? Oh, that's true. Yeah, mean, yeah, If you were just there to rob the place, once yeah. she's unconscious, go yeah. rob the place. Just go get it. Okay, yeah. But... It's it's kind of like the only reason they stopped beating her. It's because the police. And then it's like, why? Yeah. What are you all doing? What? Yeah. So, of course, Dorothy's husband was initially a suspect because that's always the first place you look. But he had a solid alibi during the attack. And aside from that, there just weren't any other suspects. No one could come up with any reason why someone would want to hurt Dorothy. She was popular, well-known in the community. People liked her. Detectives looked into the possibility that the attack was somehow connected to Jules' work as a magistrate, which would make sense, you know, because that's what they, in law enforcement, it was some sort of revenge or something. But nothing really came of that angle either, and no arrests were ever made in connection with this attack. Physically... Dorothy recovered from her injuries but of course the whole thing had a mental oh, I'm toll sure on she her. was terrified oh i can't anywhere. imagine yeah. yeah friends and family noticed a change in her personality she wasn't the happy joyful carefree oh, dorothy that they used to know now she was anxious and scared like she yeah. was real jumpy when there yeah. were small noises and then she had this thing where she would kind of compulsively go around the house double checking the locks oh, and the windows poor thing. and then she would go and do it again oh, you know no. She was just so on edge all the time. That seems completely reasonable to me. Yeah. Like, that's exactly yeah. what I would do, too. So, I get it. I'm like Sophie, who just leaves every door unlocked and forgets. <laughs> <the door>. oh. <laughs> like, kid. It's funny, because I remember growing up out in the country like I did. We never locked our doors. No, and sleeping with my window <laughs> open was the most wonderful luxury. <laughs> just the smell of summer yes. in the country. I really took it for granted because yeah. now, of course, you can never sleep with no, your no, window no, open. No, no, don't. But blinds have to be closed all the time. I just can't imagine being so afraid all yeah. the time and living like this where anybody could just walk right up to your house. Years go by. Dorothy relaxed a little, going back to living her life more and more like she used to. Oh, good. Which brings us to October 18th, 1949. Okay. So this is four years later. Jules called Dorothy before he left the office that day. He was going to a political banquet that evening, and he told her he didn't think he'd be out too late. And Dorothy isn't going with him to this. She's going to stay home with the kids. Okay. And she just says, okay, be sure to miss me, which is like cute and playful. And then she gets off the phone. So it's just Dorothy, Marcy, and Edward at home that evening. Myrna is 19 at this point, so she wasn't home either. She was out visiting friends. So, like most moms, Dorothy has a nighttime routine with the kids, and she just does her usual thing with Marcy and Edward, and she gets them put to bed. Okay. At 9 o'clock that night, Dorothy calls a friend of hers about a shopping trip that they had planned for the following day. Jules gets home around 11.30 p.m. Now, the whole thing where he was like, I don't think I'll be out too late. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was considered not late to him or if he just was mistaken and ended up being a later night than he planned. I also have no idea if it means anything. But right. At this point, we have to overanalyze every piece of this. Exactly. So he gets home around eleven thirty, and he finds Marcy and Edward alone in their bedroom crying, and they're like, "Mommy's gone. Mommy's gone." Oh my gosh! So he quickly searches the house, and Dorothy is nowhere to be found. Her purse, money, and keys are still there. He starts calling friends and neighbors to see, like, has she gone over to somebody's house? Which, like, would have been weird yeah. because she's not the kind of person that would just that, leave her yeah, kids the at kids home are there. alone. Yeah, right. But at this point, he's just running through all the possibilities. Yeah. And you would. You would yeah, want to check everything, sure. even the most outlandish ones. Yeah, And finally, he calls the police. They go door to door in the neighborhood, but no one had seen anything unusual. Marcy, she's somewhere from 9 to 12 years old. I saw a couple of different okay. records of how old she was. But she's like, listen, I'll tell you what happened. So she has this story. Mm-hmm. She says, just about 15 minutes before my dad got home, I heard this noise, and so I got out of bed. When I came out of my room, I saw a man coming up the stairs. I watched him go into Mommy's room. The door was cracked open, and I could see her lying face down on the rug. Oh, no. She looked sick. So this man, Marcy said she'd never seen him before. He was a middle-aged man wearing a brown peaked cap and a brown jacket with something sticking out of the pocket. Marcy watched him pick up her mother and throw her over his shoulder. Oh, my gosh. Dorothy was still in her red silk pajamas and red slippers, and then he started carrying Dorothy down the stairs. When he saw Marcy, he stopped, and he patted her on the head. Some accounts say that she asked him, like, what are you doing? But then others say she didn't say anything. So either way, he pats her on the head, and he says something along the lines of, go back to sleep, little one. Your mommy's been sick, but she'll be all right now. Okay. Oh. It's like, go back to sleep. Everything's fine. Okay. And then he walks out of the house and locks the door behind him. Oh. Right. Which is interesting that he locked the door behind him. Like, yeah. why would you even think to do that? Yeah. Is it like for the safety of the kids? Right. That's weird, too. Yeah, that's just so creepy. Okay. So Marcy immediately went and woke up Edward, uh-huh. and they waited together for their dad to get home. Oh, poor babies. I know. know. So, at first, police were a little skeptical about Marcy's story. Like, did she make it up completely? Uh-huh. Did she dream it? Okay. If she did see it, how sure is she of the details? Yeah. You know? so, they had a psychi- mm-hmm. so, they had a psychiatrist interview her. Interview her. Interview her. I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. It's fine. And the psychiatrist confirmed that Marcy was telling the truth. Okay. And her story... Stayed consistent as time went by. So we feel pretty sure that, like... this is what really happened. We feel sure that she is sure of what she saw is probably the best way to put it, right? Again, nothing stolen from the house. Right. Nothing missing at all. Right. Except Dorothy. Okay, now she's gone. Okay. So let's stop here because it's the weirdest thing. For a second attack, four years later... Yeah. They have to be related...
1: Don't yeah, you, think? you would
0: think so? So they waited four They're years like, to come after job. her again. But four years, I guess, for her to get comfortable, or maybe they've been trailing her this whole entire time. Maybe they were in jail for something. Oh, which I don't know. Too. I didn't see anything. You know. It also sounds like he had absolutely no reaction to Marcy seeing him. Yeah, like it didn't. He didn't get aggressive towards the kids or anything. And he spoke to her, which yeah. is bold. Yeah, because what if she remembered the voice? Or yeah, exactly. It didn't seem to concern him that there was this little eyewitness. And he's gentle with it. And so he's probably thinking, oh, it's just a kid. It's not going to matter. I or, think even calling her little one is so sweet. Almost. Maybe he has been trailing her. Maybe he has been close to the family somehow. And he feels like he knows her. Yeah. But I mean, Marcy didn't recognize him. And I mean, it doesn't seem like he had any concerns that she would recognize him. Right. Because he didn't care that she saw him. Right. All of that is strange to me. And he was so kind to her. Yeah. And he locked the door. And he's like, go back to sleep. Everything's okay. Yeah. And he was a big... Enough he didn't have to say anything to her at all. To, like, you know? throw her over, like, dead weight over his oh, shoulder yeah. and carry her down the stairs. Yeah. Like, it's awkward trying to carry a sleep, sleeping person. It's awkward trying to carry a sleeping six-year-old. I was going to bring this up later, but since you're, since you're there... Uh-huh. Remember, she lives on the, sh- like, their house is right on the street. He walks out that front door. Carrying a body. Carrying a woman in red silk pajamas <gasps> over his shoulder. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. At, like, 11 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. Right out the front door where there's, yeah. on the street, streetlights. Nobody saw anything. Ooh. That's so weird. Ooh. If it had happened in someone's neighborhood, like the neighborhood that you or I live in, it's almost right. like, okay, they could have just, I yeah. don't know, snuck off. But this is like you open that front door, you're there in the and middle so of the are city. Your neighbors. Yeah. But what if it's during the time that it's like you didn't see it? It's not your business. Yeah. And so they hear a noise. Man, a missing woman. Right. Well, and he was, you know, a figure in the yeah. town. So I don't, I don't know. Jules, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. The another thing. It sounds like Dorothy was already on the floor of the room when he got there. Marcy. At least from what I've read, she didn't hear a struggle. She heard the guy come up the stairs. He goes into the bedroom and she sees that Dorothy's on the floor already. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is weird too. Unless this point where Marcy woke up and came out of her room wasn't actually the guy's arrival. Like maybe he had already been there for a bit. (sighs) Maybe what woke her up was the struggle, but she just didn't realize it because it was over. Yeah. You know how something you don't really know why you woke up. Maybe he'd already hurt Dorothy or rendered her unconscious before Marcy woke up. Yeah. And then he left the room and came back and that's when Marcy came out and saw him coming up the stairs. Right. That's a possibility. If she was already on the floor when he got there, Mm -hmm. then what is that? Yeah. Like he poisoned her or something? Right. Or did he just like walk up behind her and like put her in a headlock to where she couldn't breathe anymore and knock her out? But Marcy saw none of that. Marcy's like, I saw him come up the stairs. I saw him. Oh, yeah. Go into my mom's room. The door was cracked. I saw her on the floor. She didn't say, my mom screamed or mm-hmm. I heard anything. Right. Like a struggle. Yeah. Unless he like drugged her somehow. But when? <laughs> I don't know. How long had, Maybe he, been, he, went how long downstairs had he been in the house? To do something and came back up? Like he'd already heard her. Yeah. Initially, the fact that Jules wasn't home that night set off alarms for me. He wasn't home the first time Dorothy Mm -hmm. was attacked and now he was magically gone again. And it made me wonder if he was involved, like he'd hired someone to hurt his wife, but also it's a political banquet and he's a magistrate. So people would have known that he'd be out that night. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And a few of the articles I read made the point that like once she was attacked the first time, Jules was very careful about not leaving Yeah. His wife and kids home alone in the evenings. Yeah. So this was one of the rare nights that he was actually gone. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So did they know he was going to be gone? Mm -hmm. Did they just suspect it? Did they watch the house and realize he was gone? And see her not leave with them? Is that also why there was this four-year gap? Because there just weren't any opportunities? Maybe. But good Lord, that's so— Watching someone for that Right. It's so persistent. Yeah. Like, what on earth? Yeah. Why were you so adamant about attacking this woman yeah. that you would wait four years? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I do wonder if it's unusual that Dorothy didn't go with him. Because, I mean, they could have gotten a babysitter. Right. But, like, this is the 40s. So maybe it's kind of like, well, it's politics, honey. Mm-hmm. You need to stay here and make sandwiches. <laughs> do, do lady things. <laughs> Vacuum the rugs. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever you women folk do. <laughs> anyway, there was no sign of a struggle in the house. Nothing out of order. And no fingerprints that didn't belong there. Oh, Also, the front door had been locked. So how yeah. had the guy gotten in? There was no right. sign of forced entry. Maybe she was downstairs doing something and somebody knocked on the door. And so she, she actually let him in. Yeah. Maybe. And then I make the point down here about how a man walks out of a house with a woman wearing red silk pajamas thrown over his shoulder and nobody sees anything. Right. In a busy and it seems, I know it's 11 o'clock at night in the 40s. So, that's later than 11 o'clock at night in 2023 would be. But I still would think there'd be people out. Right. So, police were like, Marcy's story is odd, but it's also all we've got. And it lines up with the evidence that we have. Okay, So, everything she said matches up. Yeah. Dorothy Forstein's description was sent out to all the police departments in the area. And they start checking hospitals, morgues, mental hospitals, hotels, all over Philadelphia, and then across the country. Oh, wow. And they found nothing. No sign of Dorothy, no reports of any strange incidents, nothing. Huh. Newspapers all over the country carried stories about her disappearance, and of course, it was heavily covered in Pennsylvania. Oh, well, yeah. But then, by the end of October, the story just kind of disappears. Oh. This happened on October 18th, so we're talking about a yeah, couple that's weeks. What, yeah, What? Yeah. A couple weeks, and the people are like, eh. Nah, it doesn't matter anymore. We're tired of talking about this. Let's move on. Huh? And that's it. It just fades away what? after a couple of weeks. So I did find an article that mentioned that Jules Forstein died suddenly in 1957, just one day after being sworn in for his second term as magistrate. His physician and friend found him dead in his bedroom, but from what I could tell, it was natural causes. He'd had a heart attack like a year earlier. Oh, okay. So they chalked his death up to heart disease. I don't know if they did an autopsy. Right. Could that somehow be related? But even that is what, like, Eight years yeah. after, so probably not. Related. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also but at this like, point, who knows? What if he was grieving so much, so often that his heart just died of a broken yeah. heart? I mean, I don't. There's not a lot of details here, right? Like we don't know yeah. a whole lot about what their marriage was like or anything. Right. But there's not been any talk that makes me think that Jules was a bad dude, or right. So. A few months after he died, Myrna, which was Jules' oldest daughter, mm-hmm. filed a petition that her stepmother be legally declared dead as of October 18th, 1956, which would be seven years after she disappeared. The captain of the Philadelphia Homicide Squad supported this decision, saying that all efforts of police and private investigators had failed to find anything mm-hmm. that could lead to Dorothy's whereabouts or tell us what happened to her. So there is one theory The thing everybody went with in terms of motive was the same thing they thought the first time she was attacked. It must be something related to Jule's job as magistrate, some sort of revenge. Yes. So there was an incident in September of 1944, which was a few months before the first time Dorothy was attacked. There was this protest in Philadelphia. Uh They were protesting the Republican presidential candidate at the time, Thomas Dewey. And he was going to make a speech and a riot broke out. So two police officers pulled this guy, 29-year-old Morris Ann Muth, mm-hmm. probably, yep. out of the crowd, and they charged him with inciting to riot, resisting arrest, and disorderly conduct. Okay. Now, Ann Muth was fined $10. $10. 10 whole dollars. $10. And he filed, in return, he filed assault battery charges against the two police officers who had arrested him. Oh. Because he was like, they beat me for 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The officers were initially held on bail of $1,000 each, but then the charges against them were dropped by Jules Forstein. So the theory is that Ann Muth was the one who attacked Dorothy in 1945 as revenge against Jules for letting the officers go. And then that Ann Muth was the one who finally abducted Dorothy in 1949. Because he just became crazed about it? That's the thing. But they're reaching, right? They don't have a vote. Yeah. And they're just looking for anything that could right. possibly be Any it. Any little thing. I'm also like, is this the only person that Jules ever made mad in all right. his time as a magistrate? Yes. This is the one he guy? did grand things for <laughs> Philadelphia. Nobody else ever got mad at him. And I get that because of the job that Jules had, people are going to be like, it must be connected to mm-hmm. that. But I just think if you wanted revenge against Jules, you would attack Jules. Yeah. Why on earth are you going after his wife exactly. twice? Yeah. It seems like your first attack on her was enough mm-hmm. of a vengeance. Right, exactly. So then did the guy just become obsessed with her and like I don't know. Like I don't I, I don't even I don't know, know if know, I don't believe know, I don't that theory at no, all. it I just seems like such a stretch. <laughs> yeah, like I don't where where do you go know from there? It is just a really interesting story for this woman to be attacked twice yeah, for seemingly no, no motive right, that was ever, exactly. at least no motive that was made public. I mean, yeah. we have to remember that there's all kinds of things that yeah. could have gone on that we didn't know about. Yeah. We don't know all the cases he dealt with or, right. you know, what she dealt with in life. Another thing I thought about, I think we even said this exact thing when I did the Joan Rich case, is like, whenever it's something like this, where there just seems to be absolutely no reason. Mm-hmm. That I think there has to be some big secret. Right. Some like, big family secret that we just don't know. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Like a secret hidden life yeah. almost. Yeah. And whether it was on her behalf or mm-hmm. his or just something that went on politically. Yeah. I mean. Oh, my gosh. It's really awful. Yeah. <laughs> just the fact that there were four years between the attacks is the part that just I know. gets me Yeah, that's what I was going like, to If it is the same person, what on earth? To be that obsessive about it, to wait another four years to get your revenge, feels like this had to have been something major. Yeah. Again, if it was about Jules, Mm -hmm. why his wife? Why? Well, and also, you're locking the door behind you. Mm -hmm. You took the time carrying a human out the door Mm -hmm. to lock the door behind you. And you didn't take anything. No. It specifically seems to be. And there about was no her. like literal bloody mess on the sidewalk that you would like if she was like dripping from a wound or something. Just the way that there's no like, they didn't cause any damage to the house. Mm-hmm. They didn't hurt the kids. Hurt the kids. It was just so focused on her. And the whole thing I mentioned in the first attack where like she went unconscious and they still kept attacking yeah. her. Yeah. What? Yeah. What was this about? Yeah. What on earth? I know. And I hate to speculate too much because yeah. obviously. Allegedly. Allegedly. But if someone was hired to do it. There's squirrels on There's the a roof. squirrel on the roof. If someone was hired, and they could have been hired by anybody. Yeah. Then that would make sense that their sole focus was just on yeah. her. Yeah, that's true. And it still could have been hired by someone who was trying to get revenge on Jules. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily saying that Jules had any involvement other than he could be the target of the revenge. Yeah. I just still think, though, if you were going to hire somebody to get revenge on Jules, then you would hire somebody to attack Jules. Right, exactly. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's so very true. The first attack got your revenge. Why did you have to go back again? Oh, my gosh. I know I it's know one of these the things, things I could things. talk in circles about forever. So this is absurd. We could talk about it in the Facebook group, you guys, or. Yeah, my gosh. On the Patreon, if you want to talk about it in the discord, we could do that. Because it really is just the weirdest story. So that's it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Uh, do you want to do shout outs? Yeah, sure. For some Patreon. do it. Okay. So as part of our Patreon, if you are in the body of a goddess or the Janet levels, you get a little shout out on the show mm. where we mispronounce your name. We're so good at this. So good at, so good at it. it. So good at this. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Because I don't want the second name. That's why. Ready? Oh. <laughs> Tamara? No. Tamara. Tamara. Dang it. Already. Himmler. Tamara Hamler. Stephanie Drack. Dracker. <laughs> Dracker. 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 Olivia Page. Liz Ayala. Oh, you did that really as if 100% I'm confident. That sounded sincere. Yeah, <laughs> Farron Bundy. <laughs> Stacey Rager. Marcy Nielsen. Kara Stevens. <gasps> it's with a K. <laughs> Hannah Marie. Cindy Retton. Jennifer Krueger. NG. NG. Danielle Sturr. Megan Roberts. It's an excellent name you got there, Megan. Mm-hmm. Andrea Bailey. Mia Harris. Jennifer, <laughs> who is like Madonna Rachel or Prince. <laughs> What's that name? Um, God, I'm glad you got that one. Javiera Latour. Javiera Latour. I mean, Latour. Sounds Latoura. good. I hope we're right. <laughs> Another Kara. Kara <laughs> Wilkinson. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cassie Abel. Michelle McNamara. Sarah Means. Yeah, so that's it, you guys. Wow. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon. We are so happy to have you here. And we were... So happy to mispronounce. We're happy to your mispronounce names. your names anytime you want. Anytime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.